welcome to the IMA podcast. Today we have with us Garima Kaushal from PGP 2017 batch who will be in conversation with Chavi Mudgal from PGP 2004 batch. Chavi Mudgal is chief executive officer of IIM Ahmedabad Endowment Fund. This podcast conducted under IMA Women Alumni Special Interest Group. Hello, hi Chavi, thank you so much for doing this. We've been wanting to restart the podcast series and it's great to have you on the first episode of the new season uh, of course we've had a couple of chats in the past uh, you are now heading the ima endowment fund and uh, would love to hear from you how you would describe yourself to everybody else thank you so much garima for doing this and uh, i actually have seen a few of the podcasts from the earlier of tar so i really appreciate all the passion that you bring to the table in terms of just steering this important activity i think for uh, the sig really hoping that this also renews uh, you know the series and there's much more appetite for people who come and have a conversation uh, with you but in terms of describing myself look right now since i'm back on campus i feel more of a student than anything else <laughs> so i think uh, life has come a full circle um, as you know i'm pgp 2004 and now last year is when i shifted back on campus to take on this role of ceo of the ima endowment fund and the learning curve again has been immensely steep so i think i owed it to ima to come back and renew this because i'm not sure by the way i have this feeling that when i was a student here i'm not sure if i gave it my all or i gave it my best i was the one who was also trying to balance studies with doing theater with imax um i was also you know the first time away from home so i was uh, basically a day scholar before this i was at lsr right. in delhi and so um i'm really not sure if i understood the nuances of being away from home of actually being in a hostel so there was a lot to adapt right uh, fresh off the bat awesome so you're and, getting a second shot at it not everybody does so that's amazing exactly and i'm so grateful for it and it's a very different vibe because incidentally as part of my work i also deal now a lot with frankly the profs in a different capacity and they're the same guys who taught me so oh. the current director the current dean uh, professor rakesh basan uh they all literally three people who taught me um and now i get to deal with them because they're also on the board of the endowment fund in very that's different amazing. capacity that's amazing there must be a surreal experience <laughs> to be able to come back and do that <laughs> yeah it it took a while to adjust and then of course then to be back on campus and just kind of at least walk around an old campus so many memories associated with it is absolutely wonderful great cool so jumping right in you you started off your career in financial services right and now you moved on to now leading course the i mean open what has what drives you to do what you're doing so i think that changes a little bit right uh, there are different things depending on which stage of life you are in terms of what drives you but i think the fundamental theme which has sort of been a mainstay for me is uh, i need constant excitement in life Hmm. so um you know if things are going very stable and even if they're going very well i think i'll find a way to reinvent myself or do something so um it's been an interesting professional journey so as you said investment banking and investment banking because uh incidentally i grew up on the jnu campus okay hmm. so okay. i come from a brahmin family in delhi uh, everybody was from the academic world uh, i read economics with lsr my parents greatest aspiration for me was that chavi please go on to you know teach economics and mm-hmm. when i was evaluating my post grad options other than the management schools i also had a chance to read economics further with oxford cambridge and some of the other schools mm-hmm. and i was like hmm, maybe it's okay to think about earning money right? <laughs> and this to my family was like you're the black sheep like you're a sell out okay 
uh, why are you motivated by this? And we've come from a rich lineage of profs and teachers and so on and so forth. Uh, so in the very early days in the 20s, it really was that. It was hunger to understand what's the corporate world. It was very different. It was also slight rebellious streak in me to do something different as compared to, you know, what my family had done. Um, and it was also motivated by, uh, you know, financial independence, which is important in the 20s, I think, to many of us. I come from a, from a very middle class background in that sense. Um, and so I was grateful enough that in IMA, I could do well in finance. We all know that, you know, uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea. And then in our case, we had like 70, 80% engineers, right, who are very good at quant and very good at all of this stuff. So uh, it was interesting. Um, and then investment banking, because in those days, that was frankly, you know, uh, the best profile of jobs you could get. in hmm. finance. Yeah. So very blessed that that happened. And uh, also, I think then the investment banking journey stayed with me for about 10 to 12 years. And uh, I did, again, change organizations in the middle. And that's more driven by the fact that the industry was changing course. So when the Lehman crisis happened in 2008, uh, you know, it was a different vibe. And then people understood, for example, that you'd have to work with banking platforms. You need balance sheets. So, you know, in that case, I ended up working with Standard Chartered eventually, which at that time was the largest balance sheet in the business. Uh, I was lucky enough to join Kotak, which is still probably one of the best places to work, I think, in financial services. Uh, mm -hmm. They were the only people who were hiring for investment banking, uh, you know, in my year. Um, and then from there, I transitioned to the to UBS in the middle. And the reason for that was that, uh, you know, cross-border M&A is something I wanted to learn. So depending upon what skill I wanted to learn, what the industry was moving towards, I think those were some of the choices which drove mainstream financial services. Awesome. And now why the endowment fund? Um, so I think as you grow and COVID, of course, has been uh, quite instrumental in us just thinking about long-term priorities in life, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I think if I realized that what is what motivates me now is uh, just broadening impact. Mm -hmm. And what I'm very excited about is if I can play a small part in institution building, right? right. Um, and the other exciting opportunity in all of this is that, you know, not first profit space or organized philanthropy, and of course, even endowments, like we are the first significant business school to do this in the way that we have. Right. Um, so there's an opportunity because it's so nascent today. And if you can be one of the founding right. members of it, then you're genuinely helping shape something quite path-breaking, hopefully, right? Yep. Yeah. And if I draw a parallel with what happens in India with global endowments, and they are like, 40 billion dollars of Harvard and you know 20s of billions of dollars for the other large schools in the US. Yeah. Those are home in Asia also the endowments for National University of Singapore etc like 1.7 billion dollars so it's huge and mm. so India is like we barely you know sort of scratched the surface. Uh, total philanthropic contributions I'm happy to say at IMA are now they've crossed 400 crores since. That's you know, amazing wow. Huh. Yes. So, uh, you know, it's uh, still a small drop in the ocean as compared to global schools, but is it becoming more significant? The answer is yes. So yeah. the challenge of that, the excitement of that, I think is great. Mm. Um, and just the last piece of why why we are doing this is also because, you know, I also, by the way, my husband is, is a batchmate. So he also graduated right. with me in 2004. Um, I think we have a lot of gratitude to IMA. Um, everything we've done in life is courtesy this. And uh, it's just nice to come back and, and set something up here. So you, so you kind of landed up in the same place your family wanted you to land up in, but you found uh, the best of both worlds, <laughs> academic institution, but <laughs> still working in a slightly more corporate role, I guess. I think that's very well put. And it's frankly one of the questions which one of the board members of the endowment asked me when they were interviewing me for the position of CEO, right? They're like, Chavi, you are so used to mainstream financial services. How will you adapt? And I was like, boss, I grew up on JNU campus. Like, <laughs> 
you know i spent 15 years of my life uh there and i still by the way have a lot of friends in that ecosystem therefore so i think i completely understand uh how organic academic institutions are and how they do operate quite differently frankly speaking you know than a traditional corporate yeah and then you bring in that new energy to kind of just rustle things up so i'm guessing that is also appreciated that she understands but will also <laughs> change things up when required yeah and uh, i think this is a very interesting point you're raising because mm-hmm. you know when i was going to take on this role people were telling me chavi please change yourself a little bit you know yeah. uh become a little more mellow you know start right. wearing sarees to work no right <laughs> it's good if you want to but like <laughs> yeah and yeah. no and this is nothing to that you know i love sarees but it's not the way i've dressed in the past i think right. so it's like the point is are you changing yourself or not and i said look i've decided to be authentic um you know i've decided to be true to myself and true to the role and everything i do will genuinely hopefully be something which is for long term stability and creation of this endowment to support the institute and mm-hmm. I am so glad to tell you Garima that now after about a year in the role uh, I found friends here friends are in the faculty friends are in the staff friends are in the students and you know one doesn't really need to change themselves too much I think it's just yeah. about having the right orientation and being true to yourself and true to the role yeah oh that's amazing that's that's really great to hear um cool so i mean we've touched a little bit about um everything before ima and then after ima as well but if you had to pinpoint um you know broad inflection points maybe like the top 3 that really steered um your journey um what would those be so the first one was very much getting into ima itself hmm that was a landmark event because even though i was i will say a good student before that and i was doing very well in lsr and we know that that has a selection of very very wonderful and you know highly accomplished women i think the filtration process of cat hmm. and the confidence that that gives you you know um that you basically belong with and at that time genuinely i think the best were and hopefully are continuing to apply for this exam right mm. so the filtration that that gives you the confidence that gives you and then when once you join i am and you know this as a student as well that people tell you that was joining or getting through was the easiest part right? <laughs> and hence making something out of it and doing well in it obviously uh, it's one of the most rigorous uh, curriculum mm. um so the relentless pursuit of excellence i think which i may instill is something which i have genuinely carried with me and the reason for therefore doing multiple hats and you know changing roles changing organizations trying to constantly learn reinvent oneself mm-hmm. um i think all of that fundamentally comes from this stability you have inside you that it's okay i can deal with it and that in it you know sort of sense of belief comes from the experiences here Hmm. uh the second thing which really changed me is a more personal thing that is when my father passed away hmm. and that was in 2011 and that's when i was uh, you know just dealing with doing quite well in banking but you know banking of course was also going through its own ups and downs and then somewhere around the line i realized that i would like to try to work for myself so hmm. what i didn't explain is that between traditional uh, investment banking as well as this role i actually have a stint of entrepreneurship in between for mm. a few years and uh, me and my husband basically started a venture together it was in financial services and wealth and asset management um yeah. i my role was more focused at that time on deal origination and asset gathering uh which would have been fairly consistent with the kind of work i was used to seeing in my investment banking of that mm-hmm. and habi was supposed to take care of the investment side as an asset manager because that was true to his role within uh 6 to 8 months of us setting up this company he got a job offer to lead a quant hedge fund 
and okay. that he loved and he said i can't say no to this hmm. and he said chavi therefore you please run with the whole thing right so i was thrown right into the deep end there obviously i had a lot of conviction about the overall space and we were trying certain strategies including fixed income and multi asset which were very very new to the country right mm-hmm. we were also young and naive so frankly you know in hindsight would i have started with those i don't know um, but i didn't know enough about the space at that time and i was clearly relying on someone else's experience to help me out yeah so that's um, the best way to do it as well no like you i think you need a little bit of naivety to kind of just like push through okay, i'll do it <laughs> you absolutely do and sometimes i think that conviction and that thing that it's okay we'll deal with it i'll deal with it as i i'll learn as i go i think that has always stood me through and so happy to say that you know then i adapted yeah i learned the investing side you know i learned how to structure like uh, very traditional debt transactions which i hadn't done before i've looked at now the asset management side we've had good returns in that business um raise funds for it set up offices for it hire teams for it blah 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 so then that was so contrarian basically to me working with large bulge bracket investment banks right, right. very very lo- well established behemoths big brands most people will in india will meet you because you're carrying that card of being from a kotak or a ubs or a standard chartered so right. you are the brand you yeah. know uh, so effectively nobody really knows what is uh, the company's name was science is if science capital um, what is that right it's you essentially mm. so a uh, lot of life lessons in entrepreneurship it's not smooth sailing um, new skills to be built um, optimism dealing with failure uh, you know dealing with risk resilience i think a lot of those things is what i sort of learned hmm. um and then the third which is not really an inflection point but i will say that uh, it's that realization through covid abc alluded to it in terms of why i'm doing the endowment role now but i think i've moved towards the this is me wearing my economic student hat so bear with me <laughs> but uh, you know pareto optimality is a concept yeah. <laughs> and so it's like boss you know it's good to earn money but it's also good to have impact it's also good to give back it's also good to create institutions it's also good to build legacies it's also good to influence lives it's also good to hire the right people ideate train them inspire them so i'm like trying to optimize too many things and uh, again feeling very very blessed that this role to a large extent fulfills this it's such a high risk move right yeah. doing something like this um but it's wonderful and the more alums i talk to the more they resonate and say that you know this is being approached in a very fresh way very professional yeah. way uh the more i interact with faculty and you know the institute side they like boss you know you bring a fresh energy and thank you for alluding to that before yeah, of course yeah. so that's that's where we are at so a cheap pareto optimality that is the <laughs> that is the mantra and there's also fun and there's also travel and there's also some of those things which personally also motivate right. one so those are yeah. also some other dimension so we yeah. are living in the multiverse since the movie has just uh, come out <laughs> no absolutely and I, i feel like you also need all of those right that's the only way you bring a fresh perspective as well unless you have like interest outside of what you are doing on a day to day basis you don't really bring that change unless it is a different kind of I don't know what to say but you know sometimes how like when you're cycling and there's like a stone that comes in and changes the path unexpectedly but you kind of gain balance again it's kind of like that right you need a little bit of a different flair in the same setting to kind of create that change as well so i'm glad that's yeah. happening i mean i see it uh, and i'm sure uh, many generations afterwards will also be thankful to you for this finally being started so yeah but it's honestly also thanks to i mean one needs to say it's uh, really the vision of the guys who put in the initial capital yep. right uh, that's a big one 
and it's also to the current institute stakeholders who you know ensured that it's smoothly smoothly sort of carried Absolutely. forward because it's very difficult structurally otherwise to achieve something like this yeah so we've yeah. just had great timing um and i keep saying that since our board generally at the endowment has representation from the alumni donors as well as from director dean and some of these people from the institute Yeah. Um, it's genuinely a win-win. Yeah, you're trying to create something which is best of both the worlds. And right. if you have that approach at the back of your mind, then yes, God willing, you know things do move ahead. Sometimes slowly, but surely. Awesome. Looking forward to seeing more um, happen on that front. Now coming to IMA itself, uh, we obviously spoke about your life on uh, campus right now. But what are some of your fondest memories from campus? Um, what do you look back to from that time? Like, what are your Halls of nostalgia, <laughs> like when you're walking through the <laughs> halls now. So the one of the biggest ones is LKP. I have mm. had wonderful all-nighters at LKP with different types of friends, right? <laughs> um, and these are just things like, and I'm the one who, as I said, and first year I was dealing with a lot and not just only studies. So the things which I used to talk about are are very many, and I'm happy yeah. to say that some of the best friendships I made therefore are in these all-night conversations. Right. One of them, of course, was with. with my hubby and so some of the fondest memories and i i remember the night that you know he and i decided that this is a, we are going to be best of friends yeah. right uh because that was generally conversing about many 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 things at iim so lkp is one <laughs> the second thing is there wo group meeting karke ek tumhara night retreat hota tha right <laughs> and wo 3 baje khatam hua you are hungry and i am the spoiled brat who was a day scholar all these people right. had lots of them had lived in a hostel before yeah. so i used to complain about the quality of food all the time right and so the night retreat ka maggie at 3 am was you know the thing which you look forward to yeah. like you can study so much and now the whole group is going to go and chill at the nr and we didn't have options like today's kids are so many options yaar on campus yeah. <laughs> and i think more are going to come so uh, that elusive nr for sure mm. and then um i again and someone who really wants to do something creative or something beyond work slash study so mm. i am apps which was the theater society of i am yep. i'm happy to say i did seven plays and i am in some capacity oh that's amazing nice yeah and uh, second year of course it's easier to do but even in the first year in the first yeah. term or second term we were doing plays and i was the only fachi used to show up for those auditions because everybody was busy mugging <laughs> uh so yeah. very very fond memories of the guy who ran i am acts in the year before which was yeah. a, a senior mm. uh, a tucha as we used to call it and then yeah. you know basically our batch so that was super super fun yeah um and then uh, you know just i think back runs from an academic <laughs> i used to do really well in them so i used to get yeah. amused at people running who couldn't deal yeah. with it. <laughs> so hysterical you know for us uh, we of course like just had online submission so we missed out on that run aspect of it um but uh, i i do remember uh, us being conned into doing a back run once just for the heck of it just so that it was entertaining <laughs> for everybody else so it was you know for and then it becomes like a but we can just send it on email why do i have to run to do this so it's an added layer of confusion but i think it's fun still <laughs> yeah no it's super fun and so remember that we are many years ahead like in, in the sense elder and so we did not have the infrastructure you all did yaar computer tabhi lage the wo jo modem ka speed hota tha ding ding remember the sound like the tenuous sound and so there literally a guy so you know you can't uh, print in d18 it's too far away or some of the dorm which are very distant you can't print there so the guy will send it to his you know friend in d4 which is closest to the submission area 
the guy from default is printing page by page and page by page is you know one different guy is running so that this one guy's report can be submitted in time <laughs> it was like the best you know om problem being solved live if you know what i mean <laughs> with the limited resources and the limited this thing and so you know the lack of technology in a in a, in a way was also helpful yeah. um because the bonding which we had therefore Because you know the ecosystem really relied a lot more on people. To be honest with you, correct. Yeah, it's it's more like a whack relay rather than a run. <laughs> Multiple people helping out. <laughs> and log fir wo tempo shout laga rahe hain. You know, like it was a whole moment. And I don't know whether tempo shout like I'm sad to say they don't really exist because we came back for a 2019 reunion, a 15 year reunion, and we said, "Ham to jaake tempo shout lagaunge." The students were looking at us like we were some aliens from I don't know where. Uh, and there were 70, 80 of us, so this was a big yeah. crowd. Yeah. and they're like who are these irritating people who've taken over our world like what is happening and they're like you guys don't know you guys don't dunk each other you yeah. guys don't do tempo shout like that was all quite a mainstay for us yeah yeah awesome now coming back to um after ima when you kind of stepped out um into the professional world um what was your experience like navigating that as a woman matlab obviously it's going to be a lot of things are going to be similar across genders um but did you see things differently or did things happen differently to you what what was your experience like um navigating that as um a woman yeah um so i will say that i've been blessed by many employers i think who were fairly equal opportunity in terms of how they conducted themselves mm-hmm. um but at the same time in investment banking particularly as we know the ratios are quite heavily skewed right, right? and so when most of the meetings or boardroom discussions would i be one or two of the women out of maybe 20 the answer is invariably yes yes and so are there stereotypes therefore and before you open your mouth will people judge you to be in a particular type of a role mm. yes so i faced that a lot that sometimes people would just assume that you're the person who's there to minute the meeting for example right till you open your mouth Um, so some of those biases are there depending upon what kind of client you're dealing with which part of the country you know what but within organizations because again was working with you know well defined institutions most of them are very equal opportunity as i said in terms of employees um the atmosphere is very meritocratic and i think this is something i really stand by which is look i'm all for diversity in the endowment team today frankly we have more women than men that's how it's happened right but at the same time it's because i felt that this person is best for this role right and hence having a meritocratic culture is what will gain respect and we as women need to train ourselves to adapt to the roles we want to be in mm. such that we can stand equal with men because that's really what builds uh, i think respect over long term and mm. equality over long term mm. mm. i don't want to be there just by virtue of being diverse um, i'd love to be there if i think i can add value that's my personal submission correct yeah hmm makes a lot of sense um that yeah. of course has to be um why people get hired not so diversity <laughs> i mean you'd hate to be called a diversity hire also okay are i'm not just here for like to put like a splash of color on the walls but uh, i am a participating member of the team yeah yeah and then i think as a theme over a period of time you know uh, to get women there because there is obviously you know different sometimes in terms of educational backgrounds in terms of emotional perceptions in terms of support which is needed particularly for women who have children those yeah. are things which must structurally be solved for Correct. and all employers today are obviously moving in that direction right um, it's not just frankly gender or inclusion it's esg overall right and social is a big part of that 
so i'm very happy to say that the world has changed but you know traditionally was there stereotyping you know uh, you know was there basically men perceiving you in a certain way the answer mm. is i have dealt with that in different yeah. points of time the great thing is that i've never faced too much resistance once you know um, i've spoken or i've had a chance to interact with the person mm-hmm. no i think uh, but it also is also a factor of um, like you explained about you know when you were about to join i may back um, now as as part of the endowment fund there were certain perceptions in terms of people telling you that you should wear a sari or you should talk differently or do all of those things i think at at the crux of it it also comes down to just being you know your true self and of course part of it is the environment allowing you to do that uh, and part of it is just kind of the person themselves also being like i don't care i will fight through this and i will be who i am in the process as well right so it is a little bit of a mix of the two um, but i'm guessing that also um, would have kind of propelled you into um, being that way in those situations as well absolutely and so i think that's what i've been very blessed with and i think some of it comes from just the way you are brought up as well so mm-hmm. i have to thank parents and that environment But the idea is, I've been fairly authentic to myself. Sometimes, almost to a fault, right? Uh, because the world forces you to adapt, and sometimes it's so easy to give in your garima, right? It's yeah. so easy to say that, okay, fine, yeah, I'll wear a sari. That means that you know X, Y, Z. Yeah. But I'm like, no, yeah, you have to hold on to yourself, and that matters. And uh, yes. the wonderful thing is that, again, if you're professional, if the attitude is correct, if you're anyway delivering on all counts, most people are able to see that. Most people are yeah. fair and objective, and that. you know but yeah. having that innate sense of confidence and that comes from education it comes from the way your parents bring you up it comes from ecosystem it comes from continuously learning adapting reflecting on yourself uh, mm-hmm. because we are all insecure also fundamentally we each have our own insecurity mm-hmm. and as women you know uh, to be in a alien environment relatively um, that part i think can get something which is uh, i mean we have to sort of deal with it periodically so do i also have these phases where i'm like boss it would be so much easier to not be yourself the answer is absolutely yes but then yeah. you reflect and you learn and you adapt and yeah i mean the other thing is also to i mean i mean i often think about this and the fact that even if you look at any higher education school in india right and i am obviously being one of them as well the percentage of women is always lesser um but if you also dig deep it also means that the percentage of women who are able to make it there are also anyway coming from a certain kind of privilege right because families will be um helping you kind of do this you will have a certain um environment in which you are able to do this as well economic prosperity all of those things obviously play into it and then to enter a workplace where again those things are kind of um what do i how do you uh, say it? but you obviously come from a level of privilege as well to be able to actually use those strengths um to uh, you know your advantage as well it's 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 one of those things where it's very difficult to remember that there will be many people who actually won't be able to leverage those strengths um i think that's where the environment becomes important as well um are you allowing for people who look differently than um this type of person who has seemed to kind of made it into this small percentage of women um in that space that i i personally don't have an answer to i'm just saying that uh, this is something that i think about um quite often as well i don't know if you've got um thoughts on that or i mean how you kind of um think about that aspect as well 
no so you're absolutely right and so environment is a huge huge thing um and one of the biggest reasons because again coming from an academic background what did i know about conducting myself in a corporate culture and mm. even you know i am education while it prepares you a lot in terms of cases to think through situations you haven't mm. been in that environment yeah you haven't right, right. so you're pretty much learning from scratch one of the things that really helped me is having great women bosses or women uh, leaders to look up to so right. in kotak falguni used to be there right in ubs the time that i joined uh, there was a lady called manisha girotra acha and uh, she was heading ubs at the time right so seeing some of these women who were doing really really well yeah and how they were conducting themselves and you know uh, the fact that there was work life balance the fact that they were being authentic uh, falguni's journey of course you know i mean she was here as uh, the latest chief guest at convocation as well was yep. again life coming full circle because after kotak days i met her after a very very long time on yeah. campus yeah uh but that's the thing so it's like just constantly inspiring and then if women are leaders also then obviously they also help in creating organizations which support right. the ecosystem yeah. more yeah um yeah. but i think solving for this in terms of either scholarships either support either training either mm-hmm. mentorship structurally from you know all of those things we do need to think through yeah uh from building the environment's perspective yeah yeah no but i i do agree i think i think that storytelling perspective is very very important right um, and i can speak from my personal example i come from a family that actually again didn't have very much to do with the private sector very like civil services us type ka background so i actually don't have women in my family who worked um outside of just that government space so for me also like i mean this is a way for me to actually just get <laughs> closer to um people who are role models right people who kind of um done that uh, and kind of done it and hopefully this is something that helps um others who are watching as well um but yeah i i feel like that definitely is a big aspect of it right being able to see people around you who are doing it and then it's not so then it's not a big deal right ha huh, this is something you have to deal with and you go ahead and kind of do it um rather than feeling like i don't know who to ask for help and i don't know where to go uh, and i don't know how i would even possibly achieve this wild dream that i have um so yeah i think that's a uh, anyway that's a side note on <laughs> because it also checks all the boxes on why we do this um podcast as well so <laughs> no cool. absolutely but on a separate note you and i should talk about uh, independent initiative of this by the way yeah, because absolutely. we are at endowment also we are supporting a lot of these causes uh, i'm doing a lot on the csr side also now Yes. So one of the ways is obviously raising money through alums, but a lot of our alums are well placed in corporate. CSR right. is a big goal. Education, anyway, something which fits into the realm of this. Mm. But supporting women programs, women training programs, women entrepreneurial training programs, uh, scholarships for gender, etc., is also something which uh, we do look at from the endowment side. So nice. Let's chat on that. Yes, yes, yes. I think makes a lot of sense. But I still really, really, I, I just the only thing I really want to sort of reiterate is that. the meritocracy aspect still is absolutely. extremely important no no absolutely i think i think that goes without saying like whenever we talk about the structural changes also everything the idea is obviously it's not it's not a handout right it has to be earned as well you have to show a level of um being able to do something with it um having that kind of caliber to be able to take it forward as well um but yeah i mean i think uh, i think that's a little bit of a challenge as well right the um perception of initiatives like this is in the whole charity space unfortunately that's how it tends to be perceived um but i think the underlying principle has to definitely be that it is the, it, it is people who deserve it um right ultimately it has to come down to that 
and how do you create more people who kind of deserve it how do you structurally make that happen so that the pipeline is bigger all of that is obviously a part of that problem that needs to be solved as well exactly so you took the words out of my mouth because the latter part is extremely important and like deserve you know uh, it almost sounds a little judgmental if you uh-huh. will although i know where you're coming from <laughs> but the point i'm saying is ke, you know even aptitude hai ya attitude hai correct, but correct. at least the fact ki agar ek opportunity hai you want to make something of it exactly it's yeah. not just saying ki i'll only take the best marks or i'll only do this or i'll only do that or the top ranking person because women yeah. also bring a different perspective to workspace Absolutely. and that is something which people do understand there are theories and you've read that research for example that asset managers have done so much better uh, yeah. you know because women fund managers have a different perspective in terms of assessing risk yeah so all of those things are also technically true but yeah so attitude aptitude just the fact that you're using the opportunity opportunity for the best and not taking it for granted just because it's there yeah that i think is very important 100% i think that is and that's the most difficult thing as well right um, how do you kind of solve for that <laughs> on both ends create more people like that and then also when you create more people it's also going to become more difficult to also meet that uh, or decide what that final criteria is going to be as well so yeah that is you doing that job <laughs> for the ima <laughs> initiatives when we do kind of um, bring those in into this as well and thanks again garima because you know the storytelling part as you said i think is extremely important people mm. resonate the most with with humans and human stories mm. uh for sure uh, everything else otherwise is just so theoretical right we can argue about it we can debate about it policy makers talk about it uh, corporates have it in terms of their objectives boards debate about it all of which is wonderful mm. but i think the real thing is to create inspiration in people Mm. and to remove fear and to say that you know confidence is everything i think if that attitude really can happen i think that's when you're making it very very sustainable yeah yeah makes sense cool to end this um, what is the one piece of advice that you wish somebody had given you when you were starting your career um i think it would be about valuing people more and the mm. softer courses more so mm. again because investment banking is very technical mm. uh when i got in you know one obviously came from finance we can do this let's crack the deal let's get the models going let's get the multiples going and so on and so forth right yeah. um i think uh, as we were just talking about stories and how you know humans inspire humans and this ability to sort of touch multiple people is what actually moves things forward sustainably that's been my biggest learning um mm. in time i have realized that uh, everything is about people management at some level uh, all stakeholder management is effectively people management at some level yeah and if you appreciate that from the first instance you will do so much better mm. and often what helps me a lot is uh, that i put myself in the other person's shoes quite often mm. uh, on every negotiation on every discussion and then you know where they're coming from sometimes if they sound irrational or they're sounding insecure then you know if you put yourself in their shoes and you try to at least understand where they're coming from you understand the logic of it and then you're able to deal with it very differently yeah. it makes you more optimistic it makes you more uh, you know uh, something which is looking at a win-win situation instead of just being in a conflicting point of view um and so stakeholder management is something which is a very underrated skill but i think the more senior you grow and the more autonomous you grow the more you're trying to do in terms of legacy building institution building it's probably the biggest and most important thing 
and today in the world of social media you know there's so much noise and there's so many opinions out there so again in that i think even though you don't want to perhaps sometimes but stakeholder management again therefore is extremely important and communications is a part of it Yeah. So um you know I used to joke with people I did very well frankly in these some of these courses like OB and HR and people yeah. used to keep me with heavy so technicals maybe please kuch kar lo which I did but point is these were the underrated courses at that time right. yeah but they genuinely are the ones which uh, which hold you in very good stead yeah in yep. life yeah it's professional as well as personal both agreed okay. I remember when we used to be doing our OB courses all the professors used to have this smirk on their faces right because people used to not take it seriously then but they were like okay wait for like 5 years when you come back and ask me these questions about some something you learned in some case <laughs> you know like oh they obviously know something and then like 5 years later you realize oh that's what they meant <laughs> no honestly so funnily uh, one of our uh, profs in that department like is is currently one of the deans at IIM right and he and i keep joking exactly about this that the relevance of that was so lost on us we're so yeah. and you know when you when you haven't worked before i think there's really no appreciation of it it comes yeah. with experience yep um so yeah uh, i think that's been the biggest learning yeah i wish somebody had told me that earlier so that beyond just looking at things only from a numeric perspective i would have thought about things a little more holistically Uh, and secondly there's a lot of uh, you know uh, credence given to iq in mm-hmm. traditional sort of academia as well as in terms of how you benchmark success but iq is equally important here yeah yep. it's something i've had to learn and train myself in um, and i wasn't uh, i i believe as good at it 10 years ago or 15 years ago in banking one could look at things in a very myopic way mm. uh, but yeah all that i hope has is has changed and continues to change <laughs> Well, I'm sure. Thank you so much. I think I think this is definitely going to be very helpful um, to people as they go through your journey as well. Thanks so much for taking out the time to do this. No, I really appreciate it, Garima. Thank you so much. The IMA podcast, a knowledge of source. Listen, learn, and for more information, log on to www.ima.ac.in.